Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk life, leadership, lessons therein. And we kind of do that in the lanes of sports, of music, of authors, books, pastors, leaders, comedy, the likes go on and on. And I feel like for today's guest, he probably fits into all those. I think he's definitely an athlete. Um, He's definitely done some comedy. Okay, sorry about the book. He hasn't written a book yet, to my knowledge. Um, He's done a whole bunch of stuff, but I know friends of mine who know who I've had on for, I think this will be about episode 27, 28-ish. Several people have been very excited that I've got Dave Barnes in Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown, doing his thing on as today's guest. Welcome, Dave Barnes. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jeff. That was a lot of alliteration at the top there. I appreciate that, though. You know what's funny? You're the second person to tell me that today. And one of the guys that I've developed a relationship with through my day job of running the gathering, the Miami Valley men's ministry is Clark Kellogg. And I listened to him do the NCAA tournament and he, he does alliteration so well. I've worked to try to model where Clark Kellogg does that well. And he uses things in threes and I'm trying to craft what I do a little bit. So thank you for noticing Dave. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. Before we got on air, you did tell us your height. How tall did you say you are again? Six nine, uh, six eight, depending on how high sort of where are. I am in the country and water intake and those kind of things. But it's, it's it, it well, I should say it vacillates between like five eleven and six nine. So it's kind of like, you know, if I've been on the plane for a while, I can get into six three, six fours. You know, it's things like that. We, we're going to go off on some serious tangents. I, every time I listen to Dadville, I'm thinking if you and I together. If we had a script that we were supposed to stick to, like I do our, sometimes I do our videos for our church, for services that are the announcements, and I can take us way out there, you and me together would be ridiculous, no very dangerous. Any, anything more than me in a room, any type <laughs> that is similar to me, it's one too many. It's too, really, it's honestly too, too many, yeah. but that's never a productive moment. So I'm going to compliment you and tell you three things about you. To, this is my brag sheet. And then okay. you saw, I'm very up to date. I looked up your Wikipedia page, proud something from BMG, and I forgot what the other link was. And you said, yeah. any of new release today, and nothing was very current from what I could tell. Yeah. But anyway, these are the three things I appreciate about Dave Barnes. Okay, I love this. The podcast, Dadville, I listen to probably 8 to 12, somewhat regular to very regular. Dadville, top of the list. Oh, man, that's so kind. You and John, your relationship, Kurt Thompson, Abner Ramirez, Ted Danson, John Mark Comer, Chris Tomlin. That was a great one. You guys talked about you. You made some joke about Chris Tomlin at any moment. Like he's being heard more than anybody around the world. Blah, 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 blah. Sam Ocho, right? I think you had Sam Ocho on. Yep. I don't want to say any more names or I might mess one up. So Dadville Podcast, great Great value add. That's number one. Number two, I remember hearing a song, God Gave Me You, years ago. 
didn't know, have a clue who you were. I thought, man, this guy sounds so much like Don Henley. It's not even funny. <laughs> How many people have told you that before, by the way? That, you know, it's funny. I've had a weird career because I don't get a lot of vocal comparisons. But if I do, it is 90% Don Henley and 10% Paul Carrick. Oh, my gosh. I should know Paul Carrick. Was he uh, Mike and Mechanics? Uh, yeah. Look at you. Look really? at you. Just killing the game. You didn't even send killing me a script to know that. I just he was guessed. also, how long okay. has this been going on? Yeah. Oh, that was a great song. I mean, what? You know, it's funny. He's kind of the Michael McDonald of England. Mm. Like he's the guy that he sang Tempted, yeah. uh, you know, by the squeeze, but yeah. he wasn't in that band. He literally is the Michael McDonald of the UK. He wrote Tempted by the Fruit of uh, Another. What a great line. What a great. Yeah. Um, he wrote um, Love Will Keep Us Alive. That was a big Eagles oh. hit. But he's he's fascinating. But he is. I mean, it's it's crazy how akin they are to each other because Time out. huge soulful voices, but white guys who could easily be, be mistaken for, you know, not being white because they have such soulful voices. But um, Paul Carrick but wrote Love Will Keep Us Alive? He wrote that, yeah. And he has a version of it himself that's incredible. Get um, out of here. I but thought, he's just that guy. He's been in all the, you know, he's obviously all the Mike and Mechanic hits. He, were, he he was in that band saying those. But then um, he was an ace, which is, you know, who's saying how long. Uh, and then he's he's got a really great solo career too. I mean, and he's still killing it. Like really? he pops up in my Spotify all the time because I, you know, the algorithm knows that I like him. And he's he released like a record last year and he's killing it. I mean, he still sounds like he's 25. I thought Timothy B. Schmidt wrote that song. That amazes me that I didn't realize Jackson Brown wrote which Eagles song that was great. Take it easy. Yeah, because I saw Jackson Brown open up with James Taylor last year, yeah. and he sang yeah. it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. James Taylor. Yeah, isn't that like, cool? James Taylor came out with him and sang it, and they did a great job. Yeah, um, yeah. Jackson Brown was awesome, by the way. But um, yeah. So God gave me you. Like I said, this was some Don Henley wannabe singing it in my head for years, and then I got familiar with Dadville, and then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Dave Barnes who sang. So I've yeah. said, my wife and I, if we ever do a later-in-life video looking at the history of our marriage put to music – God gave me you is the song I'm using. Oh, that's awesome. And not that's the Blake awesome. Shelton version, your version. Thank you. Thank you, T thank you for saying that. I need to do that today. <laughs> and the third you thing need... is who's got a better laugh than Dave Barnes. Oh, you know, what's funny, it, it, Jeff, it's funny. You say that I, I, so many people comment about that devil. It is like, it's almost it for, for a while. It was embarrassing. Then I was really encouraged. And I'm sort of skewing back toward embarrassed again. It, and it's gotten so bad that I now notice when I'm doing it. And I'm always like, Oh God, pull it back. Barnes, pull it. It's just that I'm a, I'm a pretty, I don't want to say I'm an easy laugh. Cause that's not fair to the people who are so funny in my life, but I, I just really like, I'm, I'm pretty easily amused. And so I think, I just laugh a lot. And so I've never knew how much I laughed until we started doing that freaking podcast. And now I'm like Bozo the Clown <laughs> times, you know, like, especially when we get really, I tell you what, if you like my laugh, we just had, I, I thought about this. We just had Brandon Heath on last week and I've known Brandon since we were in college. Like Brandon is one of my oldest friends. And, uh, we, I mean, there are two or three, like I had to really pull it together because he would remind me of something and it would just be like, mm -hmm. you know, so it would like Chris to me, the, the couple I probably laughed, but we laughed a lot in that Tomlin one. And I think this Brandon Heath one is a pretty, it's a close second in, in how much i realized I was laughing. You well, know you I mean? laughed a ton at Shay Mooney one. That's the one I think about. Oh, Shay was killing. You. Well, that, well, the whole thing started so left footed. Like, and I've known Shay for a while, so it wasn't uh, lack of familiarity. It was just that, like, you know, me coming out the ropes with the misstep, and then it was like, we're done. Like, that that snowball was already so quickly headed down the hill, 
and accumulating <laughs> at rapid speeds. Well, so you, guys, you guys were funny in that one too when you guys got onto some communication about small towns. I thought, oh, wow, okay. anybody with less than like 10,000 people in their town, they are all shutting this podcast down. It will not get to a town oh, yeah. of less than 10,000. No, no. And that's our huge demo. You know, we kill the small town bike. <laughs> Sorry, the town we're in, Bell Fountain, is thirty some thousand. So you won't you won't do well here then. So, but we love you. So Dave, you start out every episode. Uh, I, I'll never forget your John Foreman one. That was great when you did the brag sheet. So oh, yeah, you didn't send me a bio. I couldn't get anything great with what I found with Wikipedia and whatnot. Please tell us your in the moment brag sheet on Dave Barnes. Oh gosh, you know, incredible hugger. A lot, I get that a lot. And just the way I commit to it, I'm respectful. That's a big thing too, is that people, I'm a respectful hugger. Side hug is not my specialty. I can do it. I've got some friends I call in for those, but hugging I'm, I'm good at. I'm really good at fake languages. That's another thing that I'm good at. I can maybe sound like a, know a language that I don't. I do that a lot with English. Pig Latin. All right. Pig Latin. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I've been doing music now for 20 years and, that's been really fun, you know, done a bunch of records on my own, which I love. And it's always kind of the main thing I'm doing, but I've been super blessed to write a bunch of songs for other people, which I also really, really love. And Nashville is obviously a great place to do that. And then, yeah, I'm always piddling. So, you know, I, I've done stand-up comedy, put out a, a stand-up album last year, got these podcasts, Dave's Five Hot Takes and Dadville, which are both really fun. And the idiot one too, um, which you did briefly kind of through dadville what's it called uh something about oh yeah it's hard being an idiot yeah. it was kind of like that was fun because i taught annie downs was the one that was like hey you just put it on our channel and i was like well okay but i interviewed other comics not other comics because i'm not a comic but i interviewed <laughs> comics and just kind of got them to talk about being comedians that was really cool that was like i just don't have any friends that do that really i have like friends that do improv and i have friends that act and i have friends but i don't really have any that are like pro comics so that was fun to kind of talk to them and share a little bit of like or, or get to hear their thoughts on that, but that was fun. Yeah, and then, you know, I've always done sort of weird characters and stuff on Instagram and videos and stuff like that. So, Which are hilarious. People need to check you out on social media just for those characters with the big old fatty faces and just oh, yeah. you being you. <laughs> I mean, you, you do that very well. So. Thank, you. Thank you. So, Dave, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I joked about all the different things you've done. It could fit into the categories of people I like to have on here. How have you not, or you got to have it in the plans to write a book. I would think a Dave Barnes book is selling. You know, it, it's funny you ask me that. I, I don't think my life has been, and I say this with like as much gratitude as I can say this. I don't feel like it's been that kind of interesting. And that's something I actually sort of pride myself in. Not, not that it's not interesting. It's, it is interesting, but it's not that kind of like, you know, when you read McConaughey's book, it's like, this feels like a like cocaine fever dream. You know what I mean? It's just like, this feels like something that, you know, you woke somebody up three days after Woodstock and had them like, just like say everything they thought and then put it in a book. I mean, that's what that feels like. And so I think when I read those kind of books, I'm like, man, mine would just be so wonderfully sort of boring. You know, like my parents are both wonderful people who I'm still really close to. They're still together. There's no like drama with my childhood. There's no like, you know, there's normal kind of, you know, left-hand turns and stuff, but there's nothing that, that like is a page turner. It's just like, you know, it's, it's honestly like a, um, it's like wonderfully boring in a lot of ways. I mean, my career is a little different and there's some fun stuff in that, but cause I've had those moments where like, should I write something? I was like, I just don't know, you know, there's fun stories and I think I can make stuff sounds more 
probably fun and funny than it is because that's a skill set of mine. But I don't know that just like on paper. I mean, I hope to do it someday. I do think I want to do it, but I think it will need to be as much sort of like how I think about the world as yeah. it is. Like, here's what's happened to me, you know, like a lot of great, you know, books are, but it's kind of here said, but it's, it's really, it's sort of wonderfully, I, you know, I mean, this is probably a deeper thought, but I've kind of always, I've never said this out loud and I could regret saying this, but I think one thing that I'm pretty good at is I've always had a very healthy amount of boundaries in my life. And some of that is extremely selfish. Like I just don't want to do things. So I don't do them, but um, I've always had a pretty good sort of like antenna out for sort of like, is this a good move or a bad move? And most of the time I tended to do the thing that was like probably the, the, the more (laughs) smart decision, you know? And sometimes that's, you know, I miss some really fun adventures and stuff because of that, but you know, it's kind of, I've just, I feel like I've always kind of kept my life pretty well in between the, like the state in its lane in a, in a way I really am thankful for it. Not in a way that I think is boring or underwhelming, but I just kind of was always like, that just feels like I'm going to regret having done that. Or that just feels like, you know, something that I'm going to, I'm going to look back on and go, what the heck was I thinking? So, so it does, that doesn't make for great, like autobiography fodder, you know? But I think your takes on but, stuff would be great. I mean, I think people would. Yeah. Now that now, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that one of the Barnes, fam- what should be on the Barnes family crest. And my dad says this all the time and I always laugh, but we may not know what we're doing, but we're sure about it. And so I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, uh, that's great. I think that is true. I, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about things, which I'm thankfully as I'm getting older, I, I'm a little, I'm not quite as opinionated, but, but yeah, that, that could be fun. That, that would be, you know, I think it'd be fun to kind of pontificate some, but yeah, my life in some ways has just been this really wonderfully, like, you know, sure. <laughs> you know there's, there's not a lot of like, you know, uh, wrestling a cheetah, you know, <laughs> because a man that was high on peyote said that's where God was. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just not a lot of that, but you know, no tiger King. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but here, you know, I think, you know, I've had people when we get into testimonies, which we'll do in a minute, you know, people will talk about either a safe one or there's no big drama or whatever. I think we highly undervalue that. And, and there's, I can tell with what you just said there, Dave, there's a simplicity to your life that mm-hmm. we all need. I think we complicate our lives. We don't live. Uh, I was on a retreat last week with, with a buddy of mine. I go on a retreat with guys based on my ministry like once a month. And we met this 91-year-old guy who was over in Indiana a couple hours away, lived in, at one point in Dayton. And just as he talked about the first house he bought, and he told us about his down payment and work he did electrical till 10 o'clock at night and all these things. We left. I looked at my buddy Thomas. I said, his name was um, Clyde. I said, if Clyde wrote a book tomorrow, I'd be the first person to buy it. Because there's just something about his life that was so simple, hard work. He was kind of gritty. was a great storyteller about simple things. Like, I want to read his book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that, that really applies, whether it's testimonial or book, to most people. So yeah. you said a couple of things. I want to I want to combine two quotes. John Acuff is kind of known for talking about, I'm sure you know of John Acuff if you don't know him. Um, oh, he's a dear friend. I figured you, you might know him. He says, you have to be willing to suck at a couple things in life. Mm-hmm. Kerry Newhoff says, you're only going to be good or great at one or two things. Be okay with that. Yeah. Where would you say, Dave Barnes, that you suck at a couple things and you're okay with that and you're great at a couple things? Like what are those things? Yeah. I think the things that I'm not great at, that I, I just don't think I'll ever be great at. The word was um, suck, by the way, not not great. It was you suck at these things. Yeah, that's uh, that's the devil uh, working <laughs> for you to shame me, and I rebuke that. You should. 
I, you know, I, I'm not a, I love to start things. I am not a finisher. I am not the guy who wants to do the same thing every day and power and see it built. And I can ideate into oblivion and I love to do it. I'm just never going to be the guy, you know, I, I sat with this kind of life coach guy a couple of months ago and we did a two day session. And one of the things that we learned is he's like, that, that is, you are right. Like you you need to have difference. You need to have variation in your schedule. You know, I'm just, I'm a classic, like bright, shiny things I'm going to move toward. And so I'm terrible at like, if you need somebody to get that thing done and over three or four months, do not ask mm. me to do it. Like, um, I would love to be in the beginning meetings and get that thing thought of, but so I'm not great at sort of like anything that takes maintenance. That's a better way to say it. Sadly, I am married and I have kids. So obviously I have to be better at that than I'm naturally gifted to be, but like all those things take all of that energy in me and, 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 and thankfully in a way that I think keeps those things moving and healthy or as healthy as they can be the side of heaven. But, um, yeah, I'm not, don't ask me to maintain things. I mean, you will just watch me turn into Baltimore in the train station under the bench. That's just me sucking my thumb, asking for everything to be over. So that, I think that's something I'm not great at. Gosh. Well, let's jump to what you're great at. What are you great at besides hugs? Yeah. I think I really, Gosh, I love to make people laugh. That's something I really enjoy. I think that I'm good at. I love connecting people. I'm a big connector. That's a huge, I get so much joy from knowing you do this. And I know another guy that does that and he's looking for a, and y'all should connect or whatever. I love, I'm a big, I love mentor and discipleship. That's a huge part of my heart. So I've done that for basically since college. What does that look like for you right now in this stage of life with discipleship? A lot of coffees, like you know, going to grab coffee with a young guy that's in town that's starting a career. Or he's in a place in his career. Where he's trying to figure things out or wants to get into music and that kind of things. I do a lot of that. And then I have a, a lot of guys. I do that on a more regular schedule just because, you know, they're kind of people I, I'm, I care about and I want to sort of check in on and, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I think, obviously I think I'm good at what I do or I wouldn't do it with writing songs and singing and entertaining people. That's another thing. Yeah, so those are probably some things that I think uh, I do pretty well. Okay. So I'm curious. I've had this sort of script for us. I'm clearly not doing it, which you're a spontaneous <laughs> you're right. guy. I'm like, I'm going to be spontaneous more so with Dave than, than most. So Andrew Peterson, who I'm a big fan of, you know, yep. wrote this incredibly ridiculously big Brings Tears to Your Eyes song, Is He Worthy, that Chris Tomlin goes and does, and it becomes you know more of a radio hit. You do yep. God Gave Me You, and then Blake Shelton takes it, and it becomes a number one country hit. What is that like? I mean, you made, you had one video I remember seeing where you kind of joked about that. What is that like when you write a song um, that you do, and it, and it still, I mean, radio stations here, Rise FM, you name it. I've heard it on K-Love. They still play that song. But Blake Shelton takes it. And by the way, I, I can imagine if you and Blake spent time together, that would be a fly-on-the-wall experience because he's way funny. That's him. too too many of the same thing. That's uh, what I was saying. Though. You guys, yeah, him and Jimmy Fallon, they've done some stuff ridiculously funny. But how does that make you feel? Like, is there a little bit of like, gosh, why didn't me doing that song? Because I take yours over his. Sorry, Blake. I'm with Dave on, on this podcast, and I would say it to him as well. And then Andrew Peterson had that with Chris Tomlin with Is He Worthy. What, what do you think that's like? I mean, you're obviously a songwriter, so you're willing to give it away. But... You know, it's a lot of things. I think some of it is, the, is how it starts. So if the intent, you know, if you, if you really wanted to see your song do what their version of it did that can be really hard because you're kind of like god that's what i was trying to do thankfully that's not what i was trying to do i mean i'd love to run it had at ccm but 
that was even a surprise. I'd never really, and haven't really since ever done, you know, Christian music like that. So, or been in the Christian space like that. And, um, so for me, that whole thing was a, I mean, that's a much longer story, but it, you know, that was kind of a surprise and really fun. And, and, you know, one of the interesting things I think about my story is that when I started writing songs, I actually started writing songs to be that I wanted to write songs for other people because I didn't sing. This was like my early college days. And so I knew there was this industry in Nashville where you could write songs that other people wouldn't sing them because I was a drummer at the time. So I didn't, even, I mean, I wasn't even attempting to sing. So for me, it was a really incredible full circle moment. You know, I, I was kind of like, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, I just haven't, for better or worse, I've just never had a lot of interest in that level of success for myself. Like I just didn't ever, nothing about that kind of fame is interesting to me mm. or appealing to me. And so it's kind of the best of both worlds because you get to write this song and then you have a version of it. And then someone goes out there and really mass disseminates it and you don't have to take on the water, you know, mm. you're not really the one that's like having to deal with all the things that that means. And granted, there's amazing things about that, you know, and you know, the notoriety and what it does for his career and those kind of things. But I just, that's just never been something that I really was very, um, I, I just never wanted that. So for me, it's, I mean, you know, I still have that, like had a couple more hits since then. It's really fun because you get to write these songs and stand in these arenas and listen to all these people singing the song you sang. And I don't mind being out there with them listening. Mm. Like I'm not looking at the stage going dead gummit. You know, I'm like, bro, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, I got to sort of sit at home and be with my family and keep writing songs and do the things that I really love. And those people, you know, go hustle and do their thing with their, what they really have a passion for. And it's like, everybody wins, you know? So how often does so it happen, I, Dave? How often is, have you, that's an interesting thing I've never thought about. You're in an arena or the Ryman or wherever it would be. And there's a song being played that someone else is performing, but you wrote it. How many times does that happen to you? A lot? A good bit. I mean, not, not tons, but yeah. I mean, like even when I have friends that, you know, like I write a lot of songs for my friends too. And like for other people and it's amazing. It's still, it's still top five experiences I, I have in life. I mean, without a doubt, like unparalleled, like it's in that top five of just sitting in a room. It could be 50 people. It could be 50,000, but just to sit there and go, God, this is cool. Cause I think you get to take it in in such a different way. Obviously being on stage I mean, when I'm doing, you know, like I, I play shows where people do that too. They're not at that many people, but you know, I've, I'll do some big shows here and there and it's incredible, but it's cool in another way sitting there and getting to see the side view, you know, where you're kind of the panoramic of like, Oh, there's the stage. There's the people look at everybody doing it. It's really incredible. It's like, it's, it's just an amazing feeling because you just know how much it takes for the song mm -hmm. to get there. And then that it resonates like that. Sure. Once it's made that journey is just, an, it's crazy. You know, it's like looking at a ship, you know, like, a battleship or something and knowing you were one of the people that built that thing and going, not only did I build this thing, but it's on the water and it works. You know, you're like, you're one of the few people that can see that thing. Like you do, you know? So you talk about top five moments. What's your second biggest moment? Just in life. Well, I mean, however you were referring to top five, I'm curious. About I mean, number one, I'm going to be our kids being born. I mean, those, those are, so that's number two, nothing like that. I mean, you know, sitting in that room with your wife and these little, you know, humans enter the world. It's just like, what in that, that, I mean, if you ask me, that's as close to the divine as we get Yeah, like that, that's the, that's the iteration where we're the closest to, you know, heaven. And Amen. just cause it's like, what in the world is happening? You know? So, you know, just, you know, just those kind of moments. Yeah, I was trying to tee you up to say the Pinkleton Poolside podcast. We finally that, well, got that's it today. Number six. And I know that's frustrating. I know that's frustrating. 
but we got to see how the rest of this goes. You know what I mean? That is so true. So, so Dave, let's right let's shift. Let's let's go where we go with every podcast and give us like your three minute testimony. Yeah, you called it. You prophesied it, Jeff. My mine is really pretty. It's pretty wonderfully plain. Like I celebrate this, but parents are both believers. Dad is actually a, he's retired now, but was a pastor. And man, I was one of those born into the baptismal kids. Like I was just kind of like never was crazy, never like had, I mean, none of my, I have two other siblings and they're the exact same. Like I think mom and dad did a really good job. I call it functional faith. You know, it wasn't anything that felt like really weird or bedazzled. You know, it wasn't like, it just felt like, yeah, this, like they do this stuff and it's great and it seems to work. And I think that's, that's, what's cool about what I believe. So I grew up in that. And then, you know, got to college and started two different ministries there, which was really fun, which really solidified a lot of my faith. And it kind of became a lot more my own. And then, yeah, I've been doing music and, and, uh, doing that since, I mean, you know, it's not that God is not teaching me a million things a day, but it has been a very like obedient, a long obedience in the same direction. You know, it's been that kind of Eugene Peterson. Yeah. It's not been something that has been like a lot of crazy ups and downs and, definitely moments of depravity and terrible decisions made, you know, by the grace of God, literally, you know, I think it's been really consistent and, and kind of wonderfully plain and functional, you know? So what's it's like you said about Claude, that's how it, like, that's how I feel like about my faith. You know, it's mm. like, it's just been a thing that's kind of always been there and it works and still working. Wow. <laughs> like, that's so cool. So let me ask you being in Nashville, you know, I'm from there originally Bible belt, you know, all things, music, publishing, uh, all kinds of stuff happens in Nashville in the world of Christendom. What is the best thing like mind blowing about following Jesus in Nashville, Tennessee? And what is the most crazy, insane, difficult thing about walking with Jesus in Nashville, Tennessee? I think the coolest thing about it is you get to be in a place where you make something that can potentially be heard around the world. Like you can sit in a room with people and for four or five hours one day or by yourself and be a part of creating a piece of art that can then be a global, be globally consumed. That is unbelievably cool. You know, I think one of the things that's really hard about Nashville spiritually is that it, and it's not as much like this anymore, but I think, you know, the being kind of the buckle of the Bible belt, there's just, you know, faith here is a really tricky thing. And I think because of the, the nature of, people that are deconstructing and, and what's happening in that space. Um, it's not really like this as much anymore, but it just, you know, I think authentic and I have to be careful saying this cause I'm being a hypocrite even saying it, but I think like really authentic faith. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the Bible belt. So it's just kind of hard to know what's where genuine. people are and what they really believe. And, and, um, and it's easy to, it's easy to be like a really nominal sort of like card carrying, Christian, but not maybe not really your life and decisions reflecting that, I guess, which sure. man, as I say this, I'm like, can I be the first to raise my hand <laughs> that I'm guilty of this? But I think it does. Now it has amazing luxuries because of that too, because I think society here is, you know, set on a biblical precedent sort of. So you, people are very kind, you know, you're not dealing oh, yeah. with a bunch of people who are like hard to be with. And there's a real, there's a real, um, commonality around like some of the like moral things that the Bible wants us to do, which is really wonderful. You know, people are generally really nice and helpful and kind and empathetic here, but that can make it even harder when you kind of, 
when you're trying to say, Hey, that's not going to, that's not what is going to change your life, you know, or, or see you really be who you're supposed to be. So sure. that can get, that can get a little tricky. I think. Let me ask you this. So being a Nashville musician, young kids, family, church world, everything like that, you mentioned deconstruction. Have you felt, gosh, there's not a better way to say this. The soul crushing blows of deconstruction slash Christian leaders falling. There's obviously the rise and fall Mars Hill podcast. We've seen it even real recently on a national level. Do you and your world and, and, and family, do you see where deconstruction smacking you around by impact of others and also Christian leaders falling? Yeah. You know, not as much the Christian leaders, cause that's just not a space I'm in. I mean, we were members of church here and very involved there, but you know, not, not that kind of thing. I mean, I have friends who are smack dab in the middle of that stuff. And I, we have a lot of conversations about that and just like walking with them through that. I have a friend who works in the PR space where he's represented a bunch of those people and just hearing him, you know, so there's just things that you're like, yeesh. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say the amount of people that are in Nashville deconstructing is candidly, it's incredible. Like I, I kind of can't, you know, maybe, maybe that's the other thing I could say about it being hard here is I think because of the nature of everybody is sort of quote unquote a Christian that as things have gotten harder in the world, sort of been what the world is. Um, and these leaders and, you know, people in Christendom have sort of doing what they're doing, the amount of sort of like, I'm out, you know, mm -hmm. like the amount of sort of cash outs or, um, you know, clock outs rather. It's pretty overwhelming and it's so sad. And I mean, you know, we have a, a healthy amount of people in our world who are, who are kind of walking through that or have, or, and so it's, it's, I don't know that anything is heavier in my life in the spiritual world than that. Mm. That is something that I am around a lot. And, um, how long have you been feeling that? I'd say the last like four or five years. What church do you go to Dave Denner since I know Nashville a little bit? Yeah, we go to Covenant Presbyterian Church, PCA Church in uh, Green Hills. Okay. Okay. Which is great. It's great. And that's been a huge safe place for us and, and, you know, a hospital like it's supposed to be for us in a lot of mm. ways. We love that place, but yeah, that that's, that's tough. And I think, you know, the, the, the nature of my community, which is what I love so much about it mm. is it's thoughtful, empathetic people. It's very, they're just incredibly thoughtful and empathetic. And so I think that's the trick of doing what I do and being a musician artist is as culture shifts and changes, a lot of us are either on the front end of that or smack dab in the middle of it. And so I think when you see culture kind of moving in the way it's moving now, a lot of my world is on that wave. They're going with it. And so due to amazing things in them, the fact that they do feel as deeply as they feel and the fact that they have friends who are in scenarios that the world is saying are not right, or, you know, sorry, Christendom is saying it's not right. And they have empathy for those people. And that leaves them in really confusing spaces is what mm -hmm. makes them so great you know, their ability to be empaths and feel things at such deep levels is what makes them great. Their art is what makes them such wonderful and unique people, but it also is what makes, you know, it's a tricky thing spiritually because sure. if you're not really anchored in on what you believe and, and are committed to it, and it doesn't mean it, it can't change and what God teaches us and how he shows us those things and gives us further wisdom. But you know, if that stuff isn't like super duper anchored in, it's just, yeah. you know, it's tricky. And so I think that's, that's kind of one of the things that is, that's tricky being here, you know, in a creative city like sure. Nashville. 
so you guys talk in your podcast, obviously you and John McLaughlin, who hosts with you, and then I, f- I forget it's one of your mixer guys or one of the guys who's with 10th Avenue North, I think, lives it. You guys have a number of people in your neighborhood that live like yeah. kind of on the same road. So you alluded to earlier, very much like I am, and people say this about me, I'm a connector. I mean, I can think of five people probably by the time we're done that I know that you need to know or whatever. And you're like, okay, Jeff, leave me alone. I didn't say I'm doing that in your world. But with you being that type of guy, how do you discern, have wisdom? You can't be close to everybody. So what is like you and your, like you and Annie going out to dinner with a group of people or at church or whatever, how do you discern and have wisdom about, okay, these are people we're doing life with. And what is the community that seems like so great around you? What does that look like? Give us a picture of that. You know, uh, uh, man, that's a good question. I'm coming for your dad, Bill Gig. That's why I'm asking good questions. No, dude, you, you've already got it. I mean, <laughs> two questions in, you're already better than I am with this. I, I think for, you know, by the way, John is the genius question asker. I'm just kind of the monkey in the corner that keeps everybody laughing, by the way. You ask great questions. Every time we prep for a show, he'll come in with questions. I'm like, dude, these are so good. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> dude. You know, you're good. Don't lie. By the way, he married a girl from my town. Springfield, Ohio. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's she's right. That's yeah. right. Before she went Indiana. Yeah. You know, Hard to get them Ohio. once they go that way. Colts and the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers will do that to you. Or Anderson. Yeah. Anderson yeah, in that case. Say, let's claim it on Anderson. No, you know, I think being here as long as we've been here, we have a pretty drilled in group of friends. I mean, you know, everybody's got your kind of rings in the circle mm-hmm. of who's closest. And then, but because, you know, for me, because I went to school here, you know, my best friend in the world lives two blocks away who was my best man and vice versa. And I mean, he and I walk once a week together. So, I mean, there's a lot of people I've known for a long time, like be it musicians that are really close. And, and, you know, when Annie moved here 15 years ago and we got married, you know, kind of the same for her, she's sort of fallen in. I mean, and so there was kind of that group that we've always been friends with that I'm still friends with that I still I'm close to. In fact, the Bible study I'm in is all guys that I've known most of them for like 15 years plus. Like it's, and I, so, and I just joined it because they had been doing it for a minute and I was in another one, but it's funny. Like, say I that again. It's a Bible study you said that you're in with a group of guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've just known those guys forever and like they're all good friends, you know? And so, kind of the cheat code of living here as long as we have, it's like we have pretty stuck in friends. But, you know, church for us was really fun because that, you know, I have another group of friends now that, I probably wouldn't have known otherwise, or, or I don't know that if you'd have given me two sheets, uh, you know, going, here's your strengths and their strengths that have been like, Oh, this is going to be great. But I think that's the body, man. That's the, that's the great, mm-hmm. you know, one of the great sleight of hands that God does with church is he's like, you know, you probably wouldn't pick it's family. You know, you probably wouldn't have picked these people on a page, but watch how much they bless your life mm. <laughs> because I know more than you do. But, um, <laughs> So, you know, I think that's the other thing that's been a real joy to us in the last 12, 13 years we've been really involved in our church is like those have just become dear friends of ours, you know, so there's kind of that, you know, it is, it's all these circles of friends. So we don't take on a lot these days because it's just the nature of our life, but they still sneak in because there'll be a dad that I meet at school and he's got kids and they just move so-and-so and and I really like we get on well and. And so, you know, that, that stuff step definitely still have, in fact, one of our kind of new groups of friends are all parents from our kids' schools and they've become, you know, there's like four or five couples and we've all become friends. And that's like in the last two or three years. I mean, it's funny that even that still sure. kind of, Andy and I have a pretty high capacity for friendships though. I mean, like we're pretty unique that way and, and we're both that way. Yeah. So we kind of, our engine for that stuff is pretty substantial. And so we're we kind of always have space for people sure. you know it's like if we find people we really feel either called to or just you know naturally if we have an affinity for it's like we're not sort of like we got enough we're always kind of like 
Scoot, like, the bench has to make some room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny about what you're saying. So this is going to sound really weird. Jars of Clay had a song called I Need You. And yeah, I love that song. There's a line in that song that's related to God, but I take this line and apply it to my relationships. I don't have a moment to spare, but I've got all the time in the world to know you're there. It's it's directed to God, but I've really taken that philosophy to apply to my life. Like I'll meet new people all the time and I'll be like, I don't have time for this person, but I can't not have them be a friend of mine. Like I want to yeah. be friends with this person. And yeah, uh, yeah it kind of sounds like we're probably built a little bit. I like what you're saying. It's, it's hard to picture, like my wife and I are wired very differently. I'm definitely high capacity relationship guy. She's like, give me three close friends. I don't need yeah. more. And when we do stuff, I try to lean her way where I can, but we tend to do stuff with people I know and always have to be sensitive to not, not leave her out of the loop of, okay, here's five people and I know them all well and you don't know any of them and you're left hanging out. And I've had to be challenged on that before, but two yeah. high capacity people, that would be super interesting to see how that plays out. Well, I'm definitely more of, I'm more of that than she is. I mean, she'd tell you that, but the proof is in the pudding. If you look at her life, I mean, she's an extrovert. She's not, you know, so, so it's not, it's not like she's not that way, but she's, I think my engine for it's a little more than hers, but she definitely, I mean, she, she really, lo we both love people. Like there's just always somebody over here, you know, yeah. either living in our back house or, uh, and that's always how we've been and how we want our life to be. And so I think that thankfully is something we both share and we're just, you know, I don't know. We just like people. We're just always kind of yeah. fascinated with people and, you just do. You just you know? do. It's so obvious. I want to stay in that lane real quick. So a word in the last probably several months to a couple years has meant a lot to me. I'm going to bring this word up in just a minute. You used it a lot in your conversations with Kurt Thompson. He told the story about his son, I think out in California that was really going through some struggles and him and his wife went out there and he and you guys, you and John, as you do such a great job of, were really kind of leaning in his parents. If your kid was going through some mental health type issues, how would you handle it? And the first thing he said was stay curious. Hmm. And you just seem to me like a very curious guy. Tell me about curiosity and where that fits in your life. Well, I don't know how much you know about Enneagram. We don't have to beat that drum for long because it's kind of, I, I roll a little, even though I'm, I love it and I believe it's personality trait nature is really helpful, but it's become a little bit zeitgeisty for me, but sure. I still do love it. And I still study it all the time. That said, I'm a seven. And if you know anything about that personality type, it is curiosity is we are very curious people. We're just kind of, like I said, it's shiny, you know, squirrel where those <laughs> kind of like, and so I, it's very rare, you know, I meet someone that I'm just not, I don't find something to be like, wait, tell me more about that. What is that about? How did you do that or whatever? I do find the thing that's tricky about that though. is like your family. Like I, if I'm not careful, I'll use all that energy on everybody, but the people that probably need it the most for me, you know, I can find yeah. that I'll sit for two hours with the guy that I get connected with for a coffee. And I'm just like wearing him out with questions you know, but then my kids get home from school and I'm just like, you know, staring at them, you know, so I think I have to be careful to remember where that energy needs to go. But yeah, I, I think I am. I am curious. I like to talk, which is tricky because that's something my wife has really helped me with as we've been married, you know, it's just kind of learning how to shut up and listen. But I am. I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I am extremely curious about things that fascinate me, you know, that were things that I find interesting, which can be tricky because. That also means like I can find things that I'm just not interested in and I'm just like completely checked out. You know, really? <laughs> it's hard to imagine so, you being that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think the older I get, I'm getting a little better at not it listening more and getting that way. 
I'll yeah. keep you from checking out. You had about a 30 second blurb there where you're like, all right, Jeff, like right now it's one of those points where I'm checking out. Sorry. Sorry about you. Like, no. ask me a better question. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I do these things called the rapid five. They're just five quick hitting yeah. rapid five questions. You got them ahead of time. You should have great answers. I didn't look at these on purpose because they're like not thinking about them. <laughs> so, Dave, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Uh, it's going to be a tie between Star Crunches. What? And- oh, the chocolate ricey brown. Yeah. Don't act like you don't know what that is. I know don't what it is. It. I was don't thinking cereal. I got it. Uh, God's season here. That's right. Star Crunch. Of your heart. Um, <laughs> and then probably like, uh, I mean, dude, I mean, we, my children still eat it every now and then, but Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean, oh. That's just a, it's hard to beat that, man. Get from Kroger. I think it is the mom's best version. It's even probably a little healthier. Oh. I just bought some the other day. It's great. Okay. Get in there. I'm getting addicted to cereal by asking this question. I gotta, it's, I know. it's a dangerous thing. So Dave, what's your favorite book you most want to gift to other people? Uh, I, well, it's funny. I, I, I literally bought 15 of them. I told him on the podcast, John Mark, yep, that book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That So the, I, I feel like in my life, there's been two books that really thumped me, like really felt like trajectory changers. One of them was Life Together by Bonhoeffer. Mm. And then I think, and it's, maybe it speaks to my intelligence that it's not more like, you know, C.S. Lewis books or some deep theological books, but and these are deeply theological. That's not what I mean. But, you know, more brainiac kind of books. But um, and then, yeah, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I, I read that book and I literally got online and bought 10 of them immediately and just had them in the back of my car. And I'd roll up to places and be like, you need to read this. You need to read this. And people did the same thing. I had friends that did the exact same John thing. John did that, didn't he? I would give it to them. Didn't John do go, that? I bought five and I just drove around and put them in my car. Wow. Didn't John do that as well? Yes. That's crazy. So your neighborhood, like everybody on your street had... Three it's copies. a joke. I, I almost gifted people numerous times the same person. Yeah. Like, bro, you already gave me like two of these. Yeah. But I did give one away. And I was like, good <laughs> for you. <laughs> Comer, Comer is like on on it like nobody. His, oh, his new gosh. stuff. Have you been checking out what he's got coming with Practicing the Way? Yeah. It's going to be I – might, I might actually be going in September to his conference out in Portland with a couple guys from my church. I love what he is doing so much yeah. because I think what I like the most – well, no, there's a lot of things I like about it, but – one of the things that I like about it is it's introducing some new words to the Christian mm-hmm. lexicon that I think are really important. And it's sort of opening, it's opening some windows. Uh, what's a better analogy? It's, it's just opening the door to conversations around some, like a little bit of the mental health space, yes. but also, you know, just like body, like how our body, how God uses our body to communicate with us. And mm-hmm. you know, just little things that, that I think the Christian world has always been really like skeptical of. I think, the way he thinks about life and the way that he and some of his contemporaries talk about faith, but yet are so solid themselves. And I think that's paramount is these guys don't feel like witch doctors, you know, like I think that's always been kind of something that Kristen has been really fearful of is like, you know, some great idea, but then you're like some weirdo or hippie or somebody, but it's like, yeah, but you don't know the Bible. Yeah. Like it'd be, this is a great idea, but you don't know your stuff. And these guys know their stuff. And they live by it, and they're orthodox people. They're not sort of, and so I, I'm excited for what they're doing too, because I just think it's ushering in some some ways that I think you know when you think about deconstruction, some of the stuff that's happening. It's it, the way they're thinking about faith is making those. It's like answer. It's giving pathways for people who do struggle a different way to struggle. Yeah. You know, it's setting up ways to navigate Christendom that I don't know that we've done real well with for a long time. So, so. you talked in there about. Uh lexicon language um, deconstruction let's put 
Let's put on a sabbatical since I think he's finishing up a sabbatical. John Mark Comer, Kurt Thompson, and Alyssa Childers. And I want I want the overflow of what's happening from those three being together. Jeez. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be like me going to see like a private show by, you know, Harry Connick or something. I'd just sit there with like my hands on my, you know, <laughs> just lapping all over. Okay, so here's what's funny. I saw Harry Connick last year, one of the last days of my sabbatical. I had a sabbatical last summer. I bet there was 800 people there. I was blown away. I'm like, you mean all the stuff this guy's done and there's only like 800 people here? He played for about yeah. an hour and a half. I thought, wow, the concert starts at 7. It's done at 8.30. Well, he gave us a lot, but dang, where are all the people at? I was shocked. There was hardly anybody there. Yeah. So yeah. moving on. I'm sorry. I'm getting a sidetrack. Now, here's a great one for you with your kids at the age they are. Family vacation. You're heading to Florida. You get through Atlanta, let's say, and you're trying to stop for lunch, and one of your kids has to go to the bathroom about 10 minutes before lunch, and you see the sign. Now, I don't think this is – the one's not in Atlanta, but we'll say it is. McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, in and out Burger. Where does Team Barnes go? Bro, we're Christians. Do I have to answer this question? I mean, it's the gospel. In and out Burger. No. I mean, I know, look, I know they're a faith-based company, but it's the gospel bird, man. Every day, all day, no questions asked. Do you know what I said in a previous podcast? People are more offended when you ask that question if you don't say Chick-fil-A versus the book question about the Bible. Oh, you can give any give any book you want you way, but you got to eat Chick-fil-A. You're, you're not yeah, a believer. You're not a follower of Jesus if you don't eat Chick-fil-A. That's not, yeah, that's not a question. <laughs> what sauce do you get? Uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, it used to be barbecue before they changed the uh, ingredients, and I was like, no, I haven't enjoyed Dave, it. Dave, have you not had the Polynesian? Bro. Come on. Listen, I, we don't want to do this here. Polynesian. <laughs> or, or, hey, what about this? The avocado lime ranch dressing? Have you had that? Oh, that stuff is the, yeah, that's, that's the heat killer. right there. I try to get a yeah, packet that, every time I go there for whatever I'm going to need it for later because it's so good. Like, forget oh, this. Yeah. Give me the avocado lime ranch. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that's, you know, smart consumers. Will realize that if you if you just take things from other restaurants but put Chick Fil A sauce on it, it's that's, sort of like you're eating. Chick-fil-A. That's exactly right. So Dave Barnes, what is your movie that if you stumble across it, twenty minutes in every time you're sticking it through to the finish? <laughs> okay, you know it's funny what you're asking and the exact verbiage matters because this is not what my favorite movie is, mm-hmm. and that's a great question because that's a different answer because I actually have an answer for this. Any of the Jurassic Park movies? Really, I can't change it. Like it's, I've seen those movies a thousand times because of this. You know what I mean? Like it'll come on. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm just till the next. Come on. Okay. Till the next. Come on. Well, he's got it. Let's wait till the dinosaur. Okay. Then the, and then it's like, now, you know, stay here for part two. And I'm like, shoot, here we go. Let's watch the second one. Yeah. I've just, it, I can't, when those movies are on, I don't know why I'm like, dead. and they're always on FY. Do you know how many I've seen? How many? Zero. I've never okay, seen let it. me tell you this. First of all, I'm gonna. This is where I jump off. It's been a good time. <laughs> Second of all, Michael Crichton's book. Mm-hmm. I think there's two actually. They are so good. The Crichton Jurassic Park books, sure. the OG. You know, they are. He's a fun like beat read. Like if you hadn't done any oh, of his yeah. books, that's a really fun dive. I can't do fiction. I, it's sad. I can't do fiction. Oh god. I wish I could. Ooh. So who's your first celebrity crush? Oh, dude, this is really hysterical. When I had a Locklear. Oh, I had the poster in my room. I don't care what dynasty's the one that got me. And then she was on like Melrose place or whatever. But man, I, I just remember that was like my first, like, wow. I like to look at her. (laughs) You know what I mean? When I was whatever, 12 or 13, like that's what Richie C and Boris said too. Hey now, but she was like, and I remember like having, you know, thankfully a totally PG version of a poster. But I remember like, 
mom and dad were kind of like, oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I like that in my room. <laughs> like, you know what's sad? I had, I had Alyssa Milano, Heather Thomas, Heather Locklear, some yeah. sports people, some musicians, and pro wrestlers. I'm like, people were probably like, what is going to happen to this guy when he grows up? Assuming he does. Yeah, because- you were like the perfect Venn diagram for at that time, like, uh, like Rush Limbaugh loved you. Well, he not if like he saw the, me, the you know, with, with a Rock and Roll Express or Road Warriors poster in my room. Of it's I got pre- to see them live. I got to see uh, NWA. Like, so oh, yeah. this is me WWF too. and NWA when they were the oh, yeah. two. And I saw, you know, Road Warriors. Sting was hurt, so he wasn't wrestling. But Lex Luthor, it was in Jackson, Mississippi, live. So here you go. You want to mention Sting to me? Second professional match ever. Memorial Coliseum, Nashville, Tennessee, Thanksgiving night, the Freedom Fighters, him and who was later to be known, Jim Helwig, as the Ultimate Warrior. They were tag team second match ever. They were two beefy dudes. Yep, my grandfather took me years ago in Nashville. That is you can't You can't beat that one, Dave Barnes. Get off now. Nope. Last nope. question for you, and then we're going to let you go. This has been lots of fun. Looking at 1 Corinthians 11.1, one of my favorite verses, follow my example is I follow the example of Christ. How would you encourage people to follow your example? My example? Mm-hmm. Oh God, don't follow my example. Come on. I'm, I'm not giving, I'm not a good example. What are you doing that people should, would look at and say, I'm closer to Jesus and I'm growing my faith because I'm watching Dave's example here. I will say, I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. That's a better way that I can answer this. I think trying to do what God has called you to do. Mm. Staying in your life. I don't know if I'm doing that well, but something I'm trying to be cognizant of, and I've always been cognizant of, and maybe not adhering to it well in my career, is just I think something that's really hard to do in the world is not to sort of get too peripheral, you know, mm. get too like, what's everybody doing? And that could be occupationally, that can be personally, that can be spiritually, whatever. But, you know, I, I just think there's something so amazingly freeing and affirming like mm. uh it feels so good when you know you're doing what god has created you to do yeah and i think it takes an incredible amount of discipline to do it you know because i think there's never been more of a like we can never pay more attention to everybody else than we can right now yeah. like the voyeuristic nature of society is that it's as it is at its apex and so it's just really hard to stick to your guns and do the thing that God really made you to do. Uh, yeah, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I have thought about this quote so much. Stay with me because it's a couple of names, and it, it gets a little confusing. But she was saying that she listened to this podcast with Aziz Ansari, you know, the comedian. Oh, yeah. And Very this funny. guy asked Aziz, he said, you know, you seem, you're really fascinating. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this into oblivion. But he just said, you know, you're really interesting because you're super talented. Nobody loves you, but you're not like ubiquitous. You're not, you're not like cranberry juice. You're not in everything, you know, like. You kind of done your things you do, but you know, I'm not gonna see if Netflix of your special every six months and you aren't in every movie. And the guy just said, like, how do you do that? Like how how are you how do you do that and stick to your lane and you're not and he said, you know, I just that's just not the life I want to live. Like I don't that's I don't want to be that guy. And he said that he had a conversation with a guy named Frank Ocean. This is why it's confusing, but Aziz is quoting this conversation he had with Frank, and he said the same thing to Frank. So he said, you know, I, I said this to Frank. I was like, dude, you're the super talented R&B guy, but you're not like, you know, you're not guesting on everybody's tracks and you're not featuring and you aren't. Mm. He said, but you're obviously really good. Like, how are you okay with just doing that? And I have thought about this quote. It is so simple, but I have thought about it so much in the last week. He said that Frank said, it's really simple. You just have to be okay with making less money. Mm. And I'm telling you, Jeff, it is that that is such a 
profound thought. Yeah. Because it translates, obviously, in a million things. But I think for all of us that have been gifted to do something, it's hard sometimes when we reconcile our gift sets are going to be are going to be this monetarily advantageous on this side of king of the kingdom, you know, of heaven. But if we can be disciplined and be okay with the limitations of those callings, they are still unbelievably yeah. fulfilling. And and the way that God meets us in those places and affirms His calling in Himself and His Holy Spirit in us is profound and life changing. But we really do have to be okay with knowing it's going to mean not as much as some other people's sure. things. Well, especially when you tie it to money. I mean, that's so many people's God and then some. I listened to Paula Ferris interview Tony Dungy recently, and she just asked him, "How did you fight all this stuff about?" you know, not taking a job when you could have, and you know, told the owner of a team what, what they want to hear. And he just said, you know, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And Dave, I just want to encourage you in this. I don't, I don't feel like I overly try to step into, like, I got a word for you, but I really feel like I have a word from you. I feel like the Lord is saying, Dave, you are well on your way to Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. And there's nothing I want to do to compromise that. God's grace clearly is everything, but I do not want to compromise that being an end game for me. And I just really sense you are on that track, laser focus, sharp, no left turn, no right turn. That's where you're going. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you in that. Thanks. Yeah. It's a weird thing. And it? it's like, I think it's crazy when she said that it was like, I kind of heard her and I was like, yeah. And then as I got in the car, I was like, uh, and then like 20 minutes later, I was like, cool. And then like an hour later, I was like, oh, mm. it was like, it kept sort of sinking yeah. through the levels of silt in my brain. Yeah. And, and it's been an unbelievably freeing thought. And I mean, because it's not just about money, it's about a lot of things. Sure. But I think, you know, to really go, you know, Lord, this is what I think you want me to do. And, and that's going to mean some incredible fun things. But it's also going to mean like seeing other people doing, it's just going to be, you know, you got to live into that space and trust that God's there. And, Amen. you know, so. Well, you're doing it. I, I just sense big time you're doing it. People can go to davebarnes.com and where else can they go dadville on spotify and apple and wherever else and what, what else yeah what else can people all find there it? yeah instagram uh, all of my um social media stuff is dave barnes music so okay d-a-v-e-b-a-r-n-e-s music.com or whatever at dave barnes music and it's all there and please don't go on there and put any submissions for the backyard tour because i'm going to do that by the time this gets out it will have come and gone anyway but everybody stay away from that I'm going to bid. Yeah. You can come to Springfield, hang out yeah. with me and Dave when he accepts my bid for a backyard tour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dave, you've been a Done. treat. Laughter, depth. Man, it's, if nobody ever ever listens to this, I'm grateful for this conversation. And, <laughs> and we did get it done before Jesus returned, so that's pretty a big deal to yeah. All right. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.